Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Medicine, the community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMedicine.com. It means Jesus is who He said He was. It means Jesus' words and the Bible as a whole, which Jesus trusted, are validated. It means there's a God. It means Jesus really is King of kings and Lord of lords. It also means our sins are actually forgiven and the cross worked. That means our faith in these things are not in vain, but they are founded like concrete. That also means that every part of our lives should be without question conformed to that truth, that Jesus is alive. Because it means that there's life after death, right? It means life right now, because of that truth, is not meaningless. That means our humanity is more sacred and dignified than we ever could have possibly imagined. Your life is more sacred and dignified than ever because of Jesus' resurrection. It means death as we know it is not the end. And that means that in the end, Good wins and evil loses. Amen? Amen. It means the power of God is greater than the power of death, of disease, of evil, of sorrow, of abuse, of anything. And it means that no matter your life experience in Jesus, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what it means. It means today we can have hope. It means nothing can separate us from the love of God. It means that those who trust in him will be raised like him. Think about that for a second. That's good news, right? Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. If that's what the resurrection means, and that's just a few things it means, uh, what does it look like to believe in the resurrection? We're all here today in many different stages of faith. I'm Scott. I'm the pastor here. I know some of you. I don't know some of you. So I'm assuming that in this room, people are on the complete spectrum of just even engaging with Christianity. So it's one thing to say that those things are true, um, but it's another to feel those truths sink into your being, to pulse through you like electricity, right? To change you from the inside out. So what's the process? How does one come to believe that this is actually true? I want to put forward to you today that we have everything we need to believe. That might sound ridiculous right now, but we really do. Uh, Right now, this morning, in our midst, we have all the elements that we need for belief. Those elements are the Word of God and the signs of God. The foundation of faith is the immovable, unchanging, dependable Word of God. Faith is not nebulous, it's not weird and esoteric. It's not ambiguous. It's actually crystal clear in God's word. God speaks what is true, and we take him at his word. Uh, I love how Jesus said to his disciples before he did it, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise again. And then what does he say when he comes back from the grave? Hey, I rose again, just like I said I would. But second, God always, from the Exodus all the way to the early church, all the way to us, accompanies his word with signs and wonders. And they're meant to confirm and verify it. So we don't believe as Christians in miracles. Miracles are a reason to believe God's word. 
So think about it. God spoke to, to Moses and Pharaoh in the Exodus, and how did he confirm it? With great signs and wonders. Jesus performed miracles all throughout his ministry to confirm and validate his word. And Paul, in the early church, said that they would preach the gospel of Christ crucified and that the word preached would be accompanied by signs and wonders to confirm what they were saying. So we have God's word right in front of us saying the resurrection happened, and then we see in the life of the church, in the life of community, God working and moving by his spirit to confirm it. But some of you are thinking, yeah, that's still not that easy. Um, and I also want to put forward to you today that just as we have everything we need to believe, it's still a journey to believe in the resurrection. It's not easy. In fact, it's, it's tough. It's hard to wrap your mind around. Amen? You might expect that when people encountered the risen Jesus Christ, like they actually were in the same room with him, it would be easy to believe. But do you know what the, the accounts in the Bible are riddled with when it comes to resurrection encounters? Doubts. Confusion. Bewilderment. Did you hear that in the gospel reading this morning? Perplexing. They're just like, what is going on? The Bible is so honest about how hard it is for people to wrap their minds around what is happening, that this is true. Um, it says, before they saw them, the disciples, they doubted. They heard Jesus is alive, and these are guys who lived with Jesus for three years, and they were like, no, that's, that can't be true. And then Jesus meets the people. Try to wrap your head around this. Jesus is in the same room, and he's talking to these guys in his resurrected body. And it says in Matthew, some doubted. Meaning they're looking at him, and they're thinking, I don't know. I need to, I need to think about this some more. I'm not sure this is true. Like, he's there. Resurrection faith is a process. It's not easy because there's so much going in our hearts. Uh, there's so much going on in us that affects the way that we interpret what we're seeing and what we're hearing. Uh, this is one of the great gifts of postmodern philosophers that they will tell you your opinions and your logic and your reason is not so clean and scientific as you think. Let me give you an example. One of my favorite things to do in the world is to go red fishing in southern Louisiana in the marshland. My dad's here. We've been many times. My brother lives in New Orleans where the Mississippi River fans out into the Gulf. It spreads out into this gorgeous, vast, foreign expanse. And my recurring daydream is catching redfish in, the, in southern Louisiana. If you've ever been redfishing, it's the greatest thing on earth, okay? Before my wedding, I had a bachelor weekend where me and my brother and my closest friends were flying to New Orleans to go redfishing. That was, it was just it was all over me. It was like I looked for like years. That's what I was looking forward to. And when we were going, there was a news weather report that this massive hurricane was basically coming on the exact morning, on the exact day that we were going to go red fishing. Uh, so we'd heard about it, but guess what we did? Completely ignored it. That's not possible. I had no category for this not happening, right? Uh, we, so we woke up early that morning, and you wake up super early, like four. We drove all the way to southern Louisiana to the marsh, and there's this one place, classic, if you ever lived in the south before, uh, gas station slash donut shop. So we're there buying bait and getting our last things before we go. And outside, there's like horizontal winds, you know? And there's all these old southern guys sitting at the table drinking coffee, watching, you know, this enormous hurricane, like, coming. The news guy's like, do not go outside. You're going to die. And the guys there at the bar are like, y'all ain't going fishing today. You know, like, <laughs> guess what we did? We didn't believe it. 
no, nah, it's not going to hit. We're going to be fine. Got in the car. When we got to the, the place we were going to put our boat in, we, we couldn't even get out of the, the car. We just had to sit and wait, and we mourned all for the rest of the day that it was crushed. The only reason I say that is the words and the signs were right in front of me. Like, clear as day. I refused to believe it. I didn't even open up the possibility in my heart that the hurricane was coming right where we were going fishing. And if that's true for redfish, okay, how much more for something as life-altering and changing as the resurrection? Right? Uh, we think sometimes if we just saw a few miracles, we would believe it. I just need to have a few more confirmations and it'll happen. But one time Jesus is talking to a guy who's made up his mind not to believe the Bible. And he says, raise somebody from the dead. And Jesus tells this guy, even if you saw it, you still wouldn't believe it because you've made up your mind. So here's what, before we dig into this text, if you're here and you're wrestling with the idea of the resurrection, I hope you feel validated by the Bible that this is hard. You're right where you're supposed to be. You're on a biblical journey, actually, if this is tough for you to grasp. Amen? We have everything we need to believe, but it's still a process coming to believe in resurrection. Now turn with me to your gospel reading. Uh, somebody let me know what, what page it's on. 12. Page 12. We're going we're gonna to dig into this passage really quick. Um, this is the most beautiful picture of, of what I think it looks like to be on a journey to resurrection faith, to grasping that this is true. Luke has given us such a, an honest portrait here, and you see these people go from sorrow to confusion to curiosity and then to faith. Let's start with, with verse 1. You guys there? I want you to get your, your hands in this text with me. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. If you remember at the end of the Good Friday reading and the reading that Max did last week in Luke, the, the crucifixion ends with them preparing spices when Jesus dies. Now they're taking it to the tomb. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you? While he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And then imagine everything happened in these women's hearts right there. And they remembered his words. Luke begins with the women here. What do we see? I think to begin, they are confused and they're full of sorrow at the beginning of this story. Uh, how beautiful is this? It's amazing. But you notice when we walked in, it was black. It was still drab from Good Friday. These women begin thinking all is lost. There is absolutely no hope. They love Jesus, but they don't have a category in their minds yet for the resurrection. But what happens? They're confronted with the word and the signs of God. So first they see the sign of the empty tomb, right? Jesus' body isn't there, and who knows what their thoughts were, but we know that they're perplexed. This just throws them on their, on their back feet. And while they're looking at the sign, God's word comes to them through the angels. The word for angels in Greek uh, just means messengers. And this has been so cool for me to think about this week. The angels show up in the Gospels when people need help wrapping their minds around something crazy that God is doing. 
So think about when the angels show up. First at the nativity, right? When the angels have to really help the people involved understand the fact that Mary is about to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit as a virgin and bear the Son of God. <laughs> that had never happened before. And so the angels tell them, hey, this is what God said he was always going to do. Now he's doing it, and it's happening to you. You're experiencing it right now. They also are at the ascension, and that's why they're here at the empty tomb. They're messengers of God's word. So the women are reeling from what they're seeing and they're experiencing, and then the angels are there as God's messengers to say, remember, in God's word, he always said he was going to do this. It's happening right now. That's what you're experiencing. And then I love in verse 8, it tells us they remembered his words. So in other words, I think the women encounter the signs in the word of God, and they're drawn back into the scriptures, and I think that there is real true belief that starts sprouting here in their hearts. I think the reality of the resurrection starts to well up inside them. A new category opens up in their minds that this could possibly be true. And because of that, I think these women are heroes of the faith. Remember, the women are the heroes of the incarnation as well. It's said of Mary, when she's confronted with the angel who says, this is going to happen to you, and she believes it and submits to it, the angel says, blessed is she, or woman says, blessed is she who believed all the Lord has said. So Mary is this woman who literally opened herself up to house the word of God. I don't think it's a coincidence then that the women are here at the resurrection. They're at Jesus' second birth from the womb of death into new life. And they're there taking in God's word. So I think we should aspire to react to the word and signs like these women. These women are heroes. And we should also note how ennobling and dignifying the Bible is towards women here. This is amazing. You probably have heard this in this ancient context, that the women are the first people who see the resurrection and believe. But then it shifts to the boys. Verse 8. You guys there? Let's read on. Starting in verse 8, and they remembered his words, these are the women, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Now this is fascinating. It's basically a recapitulation of the same themes. Uh, so first of all, the apostles are in a similar state of sorrow. And actually, we know from another gospel, they were really afraid that they were going to end up being killed like Jesus. They were so terrified, they had locked themselves indoors. So not only are they so sorrowful, they're also afraid for their lives, basically. And in that state, they encounter the word of God, that Jesus is alive, he's not dead. But who do the, who's the messengers now? The women. This is a cool picture of how the word of God spreads. Now the women are the ones bringing it to the men. But what happens, they begin by disbelieving it. They don't buy it. Uh, the, the translation here says idle tale, but it's probably better to translate it as crazy talk. Uh, they're thinking like, yeah, you guys have been up for a long time, and it's been a hard weekend. You need some coffee, and, you know, you're crazy, basically. All of them initially reject the word except for Peter. Uh, if you were here on Monday, Thursday with Bread of Life, a beautiful meditation on, on Peter's life. Don't you love him? Uh, Peter is so 
filled with sorrow and sadness, but also deep shame, right? He's the one who was recorded down in all of world, world history that he betrayed Jesus in his darkest hour. And Peter gets up and he sprints towards the tomb. Something in his imagination is cracked open a little bit. Um, one of my favorite paintings, it's a masterpiece, I can't see it without almost bursting into tears, is this painting from this guy named Eugene Bernand. It's the lamest title ever, but it's the disciples Peter and John running to the sepulcher on the morning of the resurrection. That's actually the title of the painting. Uh, but it was, it's like about 100 years old, and it just shows Peter and John. Their posture is forward, and it's early morning, and their faces are so full of deep grief. They have like bags under their eyes, but the possibility that it could be true. Peter gets up when he hears God's word, and he pursues it. He runs after it to see, oh my gosh, is this possible? And what does he do? He stoops in, and he sees the sign. There's nobody there. Wow, the word I heard is verified. The stone is rolled away. And that's how the first picture of Easter ends. This is what's got me this week. It ends in tension. It ends in curiosity and mystery and wonder. I find it fascinating that all the early resurrection accounts are like this. For all the folks, there isn't resolute, confident faith yet, even though one day that will come. Did you hear the Acts 10 reading? Peter is Peter. Peter and preacher. Peter is preaching to thousands of people, and he's 100% confident that it happened. Uh, all these guys who initially doubted would come to believe so much that they were willing to be persecuted for it and ultimately executed for it. But not here. It begins with confusion and wonder. It begins with something being cracked open in them of the possibility that maybe, potentially, this might maybe be true. Maybe this is the main thing that God wants to do in your heart this morning. It's just crack open a new category. Perplex you a little bit. What if to have you leave with this beautiful sense of unsettled possibility? He might want that to happen, but that's not where he wants to leave you. God doesn't just want us to wonder and marvel about this. He wants us to arrive at concrete, full, deep, flowering resurrection faith. And how does that happen? So what happened for Peter and all the disciples in between this episode and Acts 10 when he's up in front of thousands and he's so confident about it? What happened is that Jesus met them. The resurrected Christ met them. They stopped hearing about Aslan and they felt his breath. All these people, when you continue to read the Bible, they continue to marinate in God's word and in his signs. And then the risen Christ himself, the message himself, breaks in on their experience and meets them. Peter says when he's preaching in Acts, I don't know if you noticed this, that he knows Jesus rose from the dead because it says, we ate and drank with him. He's like, no, I know that he's alive because we went to Buffalo Wild Wings together multiple times. One of my favorite theologians puts it this way. He says, the content of the Easter witness, the Easter event, was not that the disciples found the tomb empty or that they saw him go up to heaven, but that when they had lost him through death, they were sought and found by him as the resurrected. Isn't that awesome? 
And in Luke, it's very clear. Jesus meets them through word and sacrament and in community together. Do you know what the very next story in Luke is after this reading? The road to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus is about these guys who are sorrowful and confused about what they've seen and heard. They don't know what's going on. And Jesus draws up alongside them, and he starts interpreting them the words. He pushes them back to the Bible, and they start realizing that it, it's all there. And then he eats with them, and it says, literally, Jesus was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They, too, ate and drank with Jesus, and he appeared to them in the breaking of the bread. Word and table. We've talked about that before. They encountered him in the word, and they ate and drank with him. And then guess what's right after that in Luke? It's the story when all the disciples are terrified and hanging out indoors. Some of them still doubting. Some of them still not believing what's going on. They might have that slight, maybe, what if, impossible, possibility thing going on for them. And then, boom, Jesus enters the room. The doors are locked, and he literally comes into the room somehow, and he says, peace be with you. And they're like, ah! I love this. Guess what Jesus says? This, again, just shows how much God is gracious with us. This is Jesus' words as the resurrected Christ to these guys. Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. We don't find our way or work our way to resurrection faith right? Jesus meets you as the resurrected Christ. He who we lost in death meets us and finds us as the resurrected. So I hope you take away three things from this morning. First, the resurrection means everything. Um, it means everything. Everything hinges for us on this truth. Jesus believed in the resurrection. You ever thought about that? He believed in it so much, he allowed himself to be handed over to death. How about that bet that God really is a God of the resurrection? Jesus was a human and allowed himself to be handed over to death, trusting that God would one day raise him from the dead. So we are so happy to hinge everything on this. All our chips are on the resurrection, and they should be. We believe in the resurrection, as the creed says. Second, though, belief in the resurrection is a journey. You have everything you need, but it's still a hard and long process. Uh, and again, so wherever you're at this morning and engaging this, I hope you feel so affirmed that it's okay to wrestle with those questions. How gracious was Jesus with everybody that he encountered? So gracious. Um, but finally, third, the resurrected Christ wants to meet you. He wants to develop in you deep resurrection faith. He wants you to have that resurrection faith pulse through your blood like electricity. And it happens in many ways, but it definitely happens through word and sacrament in the community of the church. I hope you can see I'm not just making that up. Every week, this is a place where we're doing, what are you doing right now? You're being confronted with the word of God. You're hearing it. And then we're all going to eat and drink with Jesus in a second. And he appears to us through word and sacrament, through hearing and through communing with him at the table. And Jesus also says that wherever even two or three are gathered in prayer and worship, he's in their midst. So Jesus comes into our midst. He appears to us. 
So I think the application of all this, if you are wrestling with this, if you're hungry for this, if you're hungry to have that blossoming resurrection faith so that your heart ends up looking like this, uh, I want to encourage you to continue to come to church. Continue to put yourself in the way of Christ where you're hearing his words and you're eating and drinking with him and you're sitting with believers and he's showing up in your midst. Continue to put yourself in the way of Christ. For the next five Sundays, it's really cool. What we're doing is we're reading all of these stories where Jesus meets people as the risen Christ uh, for that purpose. So all of Eastertide, which is the season after Easter. We don't celebrate for one day, by the way. We celebrate for longer than Lent. It's like five or six weeks. Um, next week, we're reading the story about Doubting Thomas, who's the classic story of the guy struggling to believe in the resurrection that Jesus loves. Matthew's going to preach on that. After that, we're going to talk about the story where these guys are just fishing, and Jesus shows up and appears to them. Then after that, we're going to think about the story where Jesus meets Peter and has breakfast with him. It's like my favorite story in the Bible, and he restores him. So we're going to be thinking about how the risen Christ meets us and comes into our midst. I want to encourage you to just dive in the stream. Put yourself in his way where he is because he is here. Amen? Amen. The angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen.